My friends, to the In Obscuria podcast, a podcast where we exhume obscure rock and punk and metal, and we put them in one of three categories, the lost, the forgotten, or the should-have-beens. My name is Eugene. Kevin Eugene <laughs> Williams. You're very open about that. I, I, I'm very proud of that. you got to embrace it. When you your middle name it. is Eugene, you just embrace it. You just it. go for it. If yeah. you don't, it's just not going to be a good life for you. No, nah, mine's, mine's not exciting like that. And over there, who is that? That is... Robert Cordell Harrison. Robert Cordell. It sounds distinguished, it doesn't does, it? It's very distinguished, Like yes. <laughs> you, Eugene sounds nerdy, but you're not. Cordell sounds no. distinguished, but I'm not. My, so my, what's my up? name's Eugene. Eugene. <laughs> and that Cordell. 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 You have to talk like this when I say Cordell. Wow. That's my father's name. He, he, he wore it better than I did. Well, how have you been, sir? What's been going on with you? Good. What is news that you need to share? That I can share or need to share? <laughs> well, we'll take either one. Oh, we had a uh, an adult, a grown-up photo shoot here Sunday. We won't be posting any photos on the... How do these things sure happen, by the way? Because I just need they, to know. They I'm, I'm, an old, I'm an old married guy with family, yeah. so I don't really understand how these things happen. For um, it's, it's not me. It's the firehouse. I would like uh, to say that it's me, that I'm so cool that people are like, hey, man, we'll do this cool thing with you. And then, oh, no, it's the fact that they want to come do a photo shoot at my house. And so I'm like, oh, really? I don't think I'm interested. And they're like, oh, it's this kind of photo shoot. I'm like, oh, well, well you know, I'm, I'm, I got some time. <laughs> You've had several of these. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, like I said, we won't be posting photos of them, but I have them in my mind and they're very clear. Good, high quality photos in my mind. Forever. Yeah. So Forever that was, in your mind. It was just, yes, let's just say it was fun. My my yard is private. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I've worked hard to make sure my neighbors are not offended by anything we do over here. And then we also had a like a 20-person dog and pony show from a film studio. The, they're going to be filming a movie here in August. An honest-to-goodness movie, not you know, in quotation yeah, marks so movie. Let's just give the background, just in case somebody's listening for the first time, if you are welcome. Yes, and welcome. welcome. How, how in the hell did you get here? Yeah, what do you do in your life? <laughs> you know you will not get this time back in no. your life, right? Think about you your life choices up till now. So Robert lives in an honest-to-God firehouse. He is not a fireman. No, pyrotechnician. He is a pyrotechnician. Yes. So he lights things on fire, not necessarily puts them out. I'm the reason the fire department has a job. But he does reside in an old firehouse. The old Smyrna firehouse, if you want to look it up. Smyrna firehouse. And you, from time to time, get approached by film companies to do mm-hmm. commercials or YouTube, I don't know, it's broadcasts been a, yeah, or whatever it's been it is. weird uh, things up until now. We've done like one scene in a, sh- a TV show or something that's kind of generic. You wouldn't really know you were here. They dress it up so much. Then we did a commercial with T-Pain and Kingsford Charcoal. And that you can kind of see my patio a little bit, but did still, you ever post that? I don't think you I don't did. think I posted it. You it need just, to post it came that. out a few weeks ago. I looked, I I waited a few weeks and then Googled it, and sure enough, it came out. Uh, it's like an infomercial, so it's about eight or nine minutes long. But yeah, like I said, you can see kind of in the background my house, but it's still you know not really featured. And so this particular movie that I'll discuss later, more specifics when it comes out. But they did a scouting meeting two or three weeks ago just to come by and look at it, and then they came and, back. And hold on, yeah. we're, we were we were in Atlanta, so Atlanta's become a yeah. Yollywood is what they it's, call it. What is it called? Yollywood. Yolly. That's horrible. It's horrible. 
They need a new name. But it, it's fitting, though. It's the Hollywood of the South. Yes, right the Hollywood now. of the South. So basically, the state of Georgia gives a lot of tax breaks to the movie industry, so they have flocked to Atlanta because we have the International Airport here. Yes. And a lot of the movies that you watch, the Marvel movies, the Disney movies, all these big, huge budget movies, mm-hmm. a lot of them are made here. Yeah, I've been camping where they shot Black Panther. Towards the end, the big battle scene, mm-hmm. we were, we've camped on that property several times. It's funny to look in the background and kind of see the same thing. It's, we call it Wakanda now. So we're, <laughs> we're going to go camping in Wakanda. Let's go to Wakanda. Yeah. <laughs> we're totally serious about that. Whatever. But yeah, that's... So, so I'm sorry. I yeah. just wanted to give a little context. Yeah, so it, the movie industry is really popping. It's amazing. It's brought a lot of jobs to Atlanta. A lot of excitement. People come and go. You get to see, you know, people that you see in the movies. Famous people just Ooh. going out to dinner. They haven't announced who's going to be in this particular movie, and I couldn't say anyway if I knew, but it's going to be a pretty big production. I mean, they brought out 20 Do people. Do you know if this is a Netflix or is No, this, I haven't asked that yet. I don't really a, care. They're, you don't as, know As long as their the check cash is, is that's okay. all I care about. But I'll, I'll ask at some point when the time comes. So they came out and they did a scouting run where they just kind of look at the property, and they came back Tuesday, a couple of weeks later, and informed me they have rewritten the script to actually feature the firehouse, not just as a house. That is originally planned, it was just going to be a house, and now it's going to be a firehouse. My creepy 1980s camper that's been to Burning Man several times that normally is in the driveway, when I have events, that disappears somewhere else. I don't want that is, you know, to, to be seen, basically. And so they came back and they're like, oh, where's the camper? I'm like, oh, well, I kind of got it out of here. I thought you didn't want to see it. They're like, no, no, no. We wrote that into the script as well. So this methy looking 80s camper that has linoleum floors and mauve countertops and it's quite dusty is now going to be part of the movie. Think Breaking Bad. Yeah, break, right? it, it, yeah. exactly. It, that's what I sometimes refer to it as, the Breaking Bad camper. It looks just like that. So then in addition to that, they have written in a character loosely based on me that lives in the camper but inherited this firehouse from a rich relative, which that's not true. However... I, your fault here is yes. that you settled on a lump sum payment yes. versus going for residuals it's residual. because it's based on your character. Right. So we we negotiated a price ahead of time and then all of a sudden they come back and go, oh yeah, we rewrote the script to feature this, 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 and this. And I'm going, oh, I see how you work there. So I'm kind of flattered, but also pissed. Mm. I, I could have held out for some more money, but it is what it is. So we'll get my foot in the door and maybe I'll get it to be an extra somewhere in the party scenes. Do you think you or your friend Bobby J may make an appearance? Maybe, yes. Film? Yeah. So, I'm, I'm pushing hard for him to... He's not union. I need to get him signed up in the actor, I don't think he's union, union material. Uh, he, he does what he's told sometimes. Mm. Yeah, We need to have him on at some point. We could invite him. He's, he yeah. lives out in Conyers, but he could he could you know take a bus or two out to get here. Yeah, we should have I'm Bobby Jay on. It's about time for us to have another co-host, a third. Yeah, we haven't had a guest in a while. We've yeah. got new microphones and new headphones. We do. We need to brag about that just a minute. Our headphones say, in obscuria, on the headphones. Talk about upscale. Mm-hmm. I mean, high class. I mean, you just can't get any more professional than we are. I'm sorry. No, you can't. You're I not. Mean, you're not going to touch us. I mean, we professionals. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> professionals do that, don't they? I'm pretty sure. They, yeah, it happens. I'm pretty sure everyone we can does. Edit, we can edit that out. Doesn't matter. So yeah, where sure. where are we going to wear these headphones? Where are we going to do that? Oh, we're all dressed oh, up. Where are we ta- going to go? I believe you're talking about. Uh, and that's uh, called uh, a segue. That is. And what's it called? Um. 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 Oh yeah. This August will rock as Rock and Pod returns to Nashville. This annual convention brings together rock artists, fans, and podcasters for an unforgettable rock experience. Meet Billy Sheehan, Ron Keel, Ricky Rackman, Mark Goodman, Matt Pinfield, Don Jameson of That Metal Show, drum legends Carmine Apice and Vinny Apice, along with current and former members of Winger, LA Guns, Except, Roxy Blue, and more. 
panels, signing sessions, and vinyl and memorabilia vendors all available to you at Rockin' Pod. Music podcasters from all over North America will be appearing on site for live interviews, networking, and speaking sessions. Got a music podcast? Register and join us. Rockin' Pod Weekend kicks off with a pre-party concert featuring former Tesla guitarist Tommy Skeo and his new band Resist and Bite. Plus, Ron Keel Acoustic, Rock United, and a rare hair set featuring many surprise guests. Rockin' Pod Weekend, August 6th through the 8th in Nashville, Tennessee. Tickets, VIP, podcaster registration, and discounted hotel rooms are available now at rockandpod.com. Rockin' Pod, brought to you by DBG Productions, Bradley Entertainment, and Incaptia. My name's Eugene. <laughs> you need to button the shirt all the way to the top. And you can pull I have it a off. belt buckle. Maybe you I should wear my belt, belt buckle to oh, rock and pod. Oh, yeah. You got a WWE just, or a WWF? Just, no, it just says Eugene on it. Oh, really? Yeah. Like the state, I mean the city in Oregon? My name, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Eugene's my name, bitch. So tough. <laughs> so much street cred with that. True story. When I was a kid, I thought, hmm, what if I just take the U off and then I could just be Gene? Just like Gene Simmons. Simmons. How'd that work out for you? Yeah, I didn't. I never did it would, that. No, it'd be E. Gene if you took the U off. Well, the, the U sound. <laughs> sorry, the E. U. E. Gene. E. Gene. <laughs> no. Okay. So anyway, come to Nashville. Come hang out with us. It is getting very close to this Nashville Less than a month. invasion that we are going to do. How many weeks? Few. Few? Few. I think three. That's mathematically three correct. Oh my God, three weeks. Oh. Now, by the time this now. comes out, it'll be two weeks. Two weeks. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. So. So people, you got to get your tickets. You got to come out, come down to Nashville, up to Nashville, wherever you're from. Over. Over, over in Nashville. <laughs> Yonder. <laughs> Around the bow. Wherever you're from, come to Nashville, come hang out with us. And guess what? If you come talk to us, we'll record a little segment with you and... Make you famous. We will make you famous. And we're going to give you a little parting gift. And it is from our sponsor. And if you don't know who our sponsor is, well, let me just tell you. All the kids go for my mom's sandwiches and so does dad. Especially the deviled ham ones. Underwood deviled ham. My mom makes great sandwiches. This one's deviled ham. Underwood deviled ham. I say it twice. Underwood deviled ham. My mom gives me meat sandwiches. Everybody loves my mother's meat sandwiches. For good meat and good flavor, try the whole ham spread from Underwood. Healthy, nutritious, Underwood deviled ham. Yes, you will get potted meat. Cures cancer. Except it's now called potted meat. Pot? Oh, get nice. That? See what I did there? You just made that oh. up, like on the spot. Boom, I'm oh going to drop this mic. Hold on. Let me drop it. this thing. Drop it. <laughs> <laughs> That's expensive mic. Don't do that. Potted meat. Damn. In Obscuria Podcast. We totally knew that all along. Like, mm-hmm. that was from the very beginning. That's what we meant with this. Yes. That's how we do. I mentioned we were professionals, didn't yes. I? Yes. <laughs> well, there you go. If you can say Underwood Deviled Ham. Underwood Deviled, deviled ham. ham. You have to do the ham. 
Now, do we give extra prizes if said recipient of the deviled ham opens it and finishes it in front of us? Yes, we need branded and obscuria little plastic spoons, the flat spoons. They're, not, they're like paddles, but they're spoons. What if I just bought a pack of them and wrote with a Sharpie? Yeah, that works. On it? Okay, cool. Or like tongue depressors you can use to eat it with, <laughs> something like that. So I think that would be the bonus if mm. we offered to let them eat it on spot. Because it is a pull tab. It, if yes. you don't know what deviled ham is, oh, you need missing. to go to your local Dollar General or what's the other one? Dollar Amer- American Tree. Dollar Tree. American Dollar Tree. Or Family Family Dollar. dollar. <laughs> <laughs> They're on every any, freaking street any corner. Store any store that has dollar, dollar in yeah, the name. The dollar lap dances. And ask them for the <laughs> deviled ham. They will point you to the aisle. To the exit. Oh, <laughs> Get out. And you will get this can of amazing sustenance that honestly will survive the Holocaust just like the cockroaches. Roaches will be dead and you'll still have deviled ham. There you go. So that's what's going to happen. Come out and see us. It's going to be amazing. And after you open that can and you try it and you eat it in front of us, what are we going to give them? Um, A bag to carry an album in. No? No. Okay. That's no. Kind of, um, I think we give them this. A koozie? I think we tell them this. Oh. Go listen to Pot of Thunder, Cobras and Fire, Growing Up Rock, Slamfest Podcast, Decibel Geek, Metal Up Your Podcast, The Hustle, The Dummy Room, Podcast Rock City, Kistry Science Theater, State of America, Rock Strikes 10, Potter Than Hell, Podcast, The Kiss Room, I Love It Loudcast, Ages of Rock, The Synaptic Empire, and Monty's Rockcast. And then we'll tell you to go listen to us and visit us at inobscuria.com. Like us, share us, recommend us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Leave us a review and buy our shit. Yes. <laughs> Somebody's got to pay for all this film studio crap around here. And then they'll look at us and go, that's that's not a gift. That's not a prize. Uh, no, we'll come up with something. We'll come up with do something I, Do we have a tip jar? Tip jar. Yeah. We can put a tip, tip jar, jar for the podcast? Yeah. I like where you're going with this. Okay. You never know. Yeah. Why not? Somebody put the we room. might have to pay them. They might put the room keys in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they don't have keys anymore, so that's mm. antiquated. But anyway. We're going to move on from there. Please. Come out and see us. <laughs> Please. <laughs> okay. So last week, we had a very cool episode with the 80s heavy metal. Yes. Listening to the mixtape. And I it just took me back. That was cool. And also, it, it made me want to explore some things like videos and things that I hadn't watched in a while, because I have a ton of DVDs and still have some VCR tapes of bands from that era. And I also stumbled upon a couple of music documentaries that I haven't watched in a while that I've talked about before. The first one was a band called Death. And we talked about a band called, called Death, Death in episode, a way back in episode three. And this is a great documentary. It's about a band that basically had these amazing songs, recorded them, and they never got released mm-hmm. until 30 years later when they suddenly came out. And I actually got to see this band. Just a great story. So go go watch a band called Death if you like proto-metal proto-punk, the stuff that influenced or could have influenced the Ramones. Uh, How about Last Days Here? That's another one I watched. And that is about a band called Pentagram, who we talked about in episode 32. And it's the same thing. Pentagram were another band that could have, should have, would have, but never did. And I mean, that name alone should have propelled them to stardom. I mean, obviously, they were kind of a Sabbath doomy kind of band, but they were amazing. They had all these recordings, but they never got released until the 2000s, that they recorded all this stuff in the early 70s. So it just inspired me. And they're just... You know, these 70s bands that were considered proto-metal, they could have been 
big bands, but they just didn't get their due until years later. And so it got me thinking, you know what? It is time for us to go back to this era of music. And we've talked about it before. The 70s, a lot of the bands in the 70s, it was really relying on major labels to Mm -hmm. put them out if they're going to get any exposure whatsoever. But there were a ton of bands that you have never heard of that did recordings on small labels or released themselves and it just never got distribution because there was no internet, there was no major distribution. It was major labels only and that's the only way you would hear about them unless you happen to live in the town that they were from. So this is the third in our series. This is episode... 86. 86. Good lord! This is Acid Rock in Proto Metal Mm -hmm. from the Crypt. Awesome. All right. Acid Metal. So we talked a lot about this in episode three. We did the whole history of what is this Acid Rock thing. If you were just to Google it, the first thing that would pop up would be Hendrix, Pink Floyd, Hawkwind, um, Cream. You know, a lot of the bands that people have heard of before. But Acid Rock really was proto-metal. It was the heaviest stuff before it was called metal. And that's what we're talking about. And it's from the late 60s to the early mid 70s. And there's just a ton of bands. So if you love bands like The Who, Cream, Zeppelin, Sabbath, Purple, Kiss, Aerosmith, Rush, Blue Oyster Cult. Well, there were bands that worshipped those bands or that were peers of theirs that just never got their due. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to focus on today. So we're going to unearth some obscure bands that helped influence and mold what would become known as heavy metal in the 80s. That's what we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. So let's go back and talk about the beginnings of it. These are mostly bands that are forgotten simply due to the lack of exposure, lack of promotion, and distribution at the time. And a lot of these albums, a lot of these bands, these were very, very collectible vinyls over oh, the past bet. years, right? So, you know, you, you think about a band that produced something in 1972 and they only made 500 copies of it. And mm-hmm. until the internet age, yeah. you could not find those copies. And how there's 500, there's probably 85 left. Maybe. Yeah, maybe at best 10% of them actually mm-hmm. survived, right? So imagine how much you'd have to pay for these things. But then in the digital age, what happened is if there was a good enough copy left over or a master, which probably didn't happen very often, it's probably mm-hmm. a copy of a vinyl or tape, then those got brought into the digital age and got re-released as MP3s or on iTunes. So the digital age has actually brought a lot of attention and exposure to these bands that never had that sort of distribution in the past. That's how I've discovered a lot of these bands is from reading about them and then finding digital copies Mm -hmm. of their music because trying to find, especially original pressings, you're going to pay out the wazoo for these things if you can even find them. We're going to talk about these bands and we've done this twice before, so I'm not going to go too deep into it let's just jump into our first band and the first band is called bang (laughs) it's a good thing i was watching you i've been wanting to do that all day bang no that's bam yeah not bam no that's another that's that's emerald we'll cover them next time (laughs) little spice bam no this is bang this is a power trio from philadelphia heavily influenced by black sabbath and they were considered forerunners to the doom metal scene so all of that heavy dirgy doom metal that's still out there to this day this is one of those original bands that put this music out and their story is so cool i had no idea i have two of their albums that again i went onto a lot of blogs and 
did research probably six or seven years ago. was really heavy into this, trying to find all these bands. Like, oh my God, you never mm. realized the abundance of bands that were out there that had some recorded output. All of it's not good. You know, it's not no. the best quality. Just because it was recorded in 1970 doesn't mean it was great. Doesn't mean it was great. And also the quality of it's not so great because, mm-hmm. you again, you may not have the masters. But I, it was just amazing to me because I had never really thought about it until about six or seven years. And I'm like, wow, you know, yeah, there had to be a ton of bands everywhere wanting to do what Bluish Occult's doing, but they just couldn't get a deal. Mm-hmm. And in the 70s, that, that means you're lost. You're lost forever. Yeah. You know. There's so. no secondary market. You could go, I mean, you could go tour around in your Volkswagen van, but yeah, but there's no, there. there's no wide distribution no. of anything. And unless you're in the know, you don't know. So that can be said about anything, couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. How wise, how wise I am deep. sometimes. So deep. Deep thoughts. By Eugene. Eugene. <laughs> All right, so the summer of 1971, they drove from Philadelphia to Florida, which is what all doom metal bands should do. Yeah, when you think of dark and just satanic, you think of Florida. Well, hey, the band (laughs) Death came from Florida, and they were the first death metal band, so there you go. All right, so they drove to Florida, and they found out about a Small Faces and Deep Purple concert in Orlando. Wait, Small Faces? Small Faces, that's Rod Stewart. Okay, I thought it was just Faces. They were the Small Faces, and then they were Faces. Oh, okay, so I I was partially correct. Same band. I've never never heard it referred to as Small Faces. Mm -hmm. I just learned something. All right. So they showed up to the venue, and their brilliant decision was, we're going to go tell the promoter that we're here to play. We're ready to go on stage. And that's exactly what they did. We should have done that. That's a genius idea. Just show up and go, and, we're ready. And the promoter loved the balls on these guys uh-huh. to come up and try to do that. And he said, all right, set up and play for me real quick. And they did. And then he said, okay, you're going to open for Rod Stewart. <laughs> and he put them on stage. So bang, all of a sudden, bang gets recognition. And all of a sudden, they are playing with Bachman Turner Overdrive. They're opening for Deep Purple, mm-hmm. Three Dog Night, Fleetwood Mac. Ike and Tina Turner, the Doobie Brothers, and even their heroes, Black Sabbath. Wow. I mean, how cool is that? What a story. Just the balls on these guys that go up and go, yeah, we're here to play. <laughs> it worked out. So Capitol Records actually signed them, and they released three LPs. That's a great story. Well, when I dig a little deeper, I find out that the first album was actually shelved by Capitol Records. They recorded an entire album. Capitol Records heard it and said, "Mm, it's a concept album. This is your first album. Yeah, we're not putting that out. So that one didn't get released. So you would think they'd be done, but no, I guess back then Capitol said, okay, give us another one. Yeah. And we'll put out that one. So they end up putting out other records. And then later in 2004, way down the road, Mm -hmm. they finally released the first album that's a concept album. But you're talking limited distribution, even though it was Capitol. It just, Mm -hmm. they never quite took off. People know of this band if you're in the know, but it's not a name that that people hear of. So they, you know, they did their early 70s stuff and then they went their separate ways. They regrouped in 2014, which is what we find out with a lot of these bands we talk about. They regroup when they get to that age of... Kids are gone to college. Kind of retire, maybe retirement or maybe just, I'm I'm ready to do something else. I'm just going to chase it. I'm going to chase my passion. And so they get back into it and that's what they've done. And it's worked out for them. In 2017, they actually put out an autobiography called the bang story from the basement to the bright lights and that's a book i put in my my amazon wish list so i'll I'll be uh, reading that maybe one day or it could just sit on my nightstand like my other books and gather dust the the anticipation is building yeah but it sounds like a great read (laughs) maybe i'll give you more on that next time you're laying on the beach getting fried true true just read a book no probably not but anyway we're gonna play some bang from their first album this is from the album called bang And this came out in 1971. This is a song called The Queen. 
I was thinking during the whole song, 23 years ago when you and I met, there was no such thing as podcast, but I wish there were because I wish that you and I had a podcast for a couple of years before we decided to start a band because I know so much more now about the world of music. I knew a lot about a very narrow focus of music that I thought I wanted to play, but now that we've gone through this for 86 episodes, or 85 and a half so far, um, <laughs> if we make it through this one, but some of that acid rock that I kind of knew what that was, but I just think Black Sabbath, but I listened to that. It was very simple, but heavy, and it you know got its point across without 15 tracks of yeah. guitar. Sparse. Uh, sparse. It's, it's open. There's it's so much breeds. open in that, yeah. but the guitar style I that resonates with me if I had just slowed down a little bit i played a lot of chords and a lot of rhythm while i was singing but a lot of times i would i think back it was a little much if i just slowed down a little bit basically that's what this would have been real rhythmic you know a little bit of lead but a lot of rhythm to that guitar as he's singing but also very open and it was heavy and i just thought i needed to play faster and louder to be heavy which was fun but just when you're trying to make good music sometimes you just need to slow it down a little bit and it makes it heavy yeah these are the things i don't know they knew back then because it was all new so mm. r- rock and roll was simpler not simple from a uh, technical perspective right. although it kind of was but simpler from a this is how you write a song perspective right. versus as the recording process you know as technology increased and you could do so much more with recording once you start adding everything in the kitchen sink into it and every band's doing that some bands do it brilliantly mm-hmm. i'm thinking of Marillion. And yes. bands like that, that you know, especially the prog bands, they do it brilliantly. But so many bands do it. There are a lot of other horribly. Exactly, there are a lot of bands that don't need to do it. Yeah, you don't need five layers of guitar mm-hmm. to make it sound big. That was one guitar. Yep, maybe two. Maybe there maybe was another. Maybe there was a rhythm guy. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe there's a tr- just a separate track. Maybe, but that's it. And it was you know pan left and right. Yep. Like <laughs> how many effects was on that? None. Yeah, that was the amp. That was the amp. <laughs> so that stuff gets lost or it has gotten lost over the years. There are a lot of doom bands now that they tune down so low to get that brown sound mm-hmm. that it literally almost makes you poop your pants. <laughs> like, Let's not play that. Yeah, there's a lot of doom music that but could, it's could just, you can't, it's indiscernible. stand to come back yes, a little bit. Indiscernible music. It's noise. It's white yeah. noise. Just dial it's it back so heavy. Yeah, white noise. That's a good yeah, way to say it. It's just white noise. They're feeling every piece, every moment, every every yep. second with sound whereas if you just let it breathe it actually comes across heavier yeah exactly and that's what I keep wanting to yell through the radio when I'm forced to listen to terrestrial radio and they go here's a new band and it's god awful because it's a wall of sound but bad sound yeah. not Ronnie and Ronette's wall of sound it's just <laughs> what's like a Phil Spector that's what Spectre, uh, yeah. yeah Phil Spector wall of sound it's just god way too much every second of that song has got way too much in it so I, that's what stood out to me was the dynamics of that song how airy it was but how heavy at the same time it's, it's cool to be able to do that that's not easy yeah and it sounds like a band whose autobiography will be called from the basement to the bright lights i mean it sounds yeah. like a garage band it totally does and god bless them man i'm glad they put out the albums i'm glad i was able to discover it so much later mm-hmm. and here's another one here's an english heavy rock trio from the early 70s they only released one album called the hundred weight and the name of this band is cw T. Or it could be quit. 
Quit. I don't know. Quat. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds horrible. It looks like <laughs> maybe. I don't, I don't know. know what that means. This it looks like CWT. So CWT. They released one album. They were on a record label called Cuckuck Records, and apparently I didn't know much about this record label, but apparently they were way out of place on this label because that is not the type of music that this label put out. They didn't mm. do heavy acid rock, and so that really hindered them because I don't think they knew how to market it. So this band went nowhere, and it was you know acid rock combined with progressive tones and mm. oh by the way they also had a brass section what so you're gonna get acid rock with acid horns brass. acid brass acid brass i mean nobody did this this band is very unique they were managed by andrew oldham yeah and if you know anything about the Rolling Stones, that was the Rolling Stones producer, manager from the 60s. And he managed this band, yet even with his the weight of, of who he is, he wasn't able to get them very far. Their LP and single were originally only released in Germany. And then much later, they were re-released by one of my favorite labels who's out there today. Go check them out. Rockadrome Records. I believe they're from Texas. But they have been one of the main companies who has found all this material and re-released it. Mm. So you could actually go buy vinyl of a lot of these groups we're playing now thanks to Rockadrome Records. These are vinyls that had you try to find a copy of this before Rockadrome Records, you would have paid $500, $600 for because there's only eight of them left in existence. Uh-huh. You know, but So that's kind of the cool thing that's happening now is this whole resurgence and you're able to find some of this stuff. But I'm going to play a CWT song called Widow Woman. So check out the brass with the acid rock. <laughs>
Brassed Rock. Brassed Rock. How badass was that, man? Oh, my God. It's like they read my mind. Like, what are Robert's favorite things? A, let's see, a brass section, a guitar tune that sounds like he's playing through a red SG, right? Right? He told it. A little bit of a funk beat to it. A little bit of funkiness. Like, everything Robert loves. Oh, man. And I, I mean, that's me, Robert, if, in case people oh. were wondering. That's, oh, right. That's yeah. me. I, l- I like things that Robert likes. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. So, damn it. I See, once again, if I had known, if I had known there was such thing as Brassed Rock, I would have kept my trumpet instead of selling it for a Volkswagen, I think. Um, this was before they knew that they could be in ska bands. Exactly. They were in brassed rock bands. I kind of like it more in uh, you like it more in ska? rock. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I love it, man. I think it's cool. It's nobody, a, nobody tried this. It's like Three Dog Night with a heavy guitar and brass section. The guy singing, kind of that. Maybe that's the wrong band. I, Joy see, to heard, the world. Yeah, yeah. That's Three that. Dog Night. Three, okay, yeah. I, I was hearing more like uh, the first version of Deep Purple, Mark One, with the original singer. Yeah, before. Before Smoke Ian Gillen, the water. yeah, before Ian Gillen took over, but yeah, I was hearing that, and then the obvious, obvious one is Chicago. Oh, right? yeah, Chicago. Yeah, yeah. When Chicago wanted to be heavy, mm-hmm. they could, and that is kind of what they sounded like. But they didn't have that dark Sabbath half, half a step off that. Yeah, yeah, they could be heavy, but not that. Heavy. I mean, I, I love some old Chicago. Yeah, I mean, that it's got to be old. That guitarist was amazing. Pre but, Peter Cetera, definitely. Peter Cetera was always in the band. Oh, I mean, before he did all the oh, before the he folk, took over, yeah. Everything. The, yeah, I meant pre-vocals. Well, was he always in the band? I didn't know that. I thought he came he's a in. bass player, no. Oh, he just took over the, vo- like, kind of a Genesis type situation. Well, they always shared vocals. They had several Yeah, but he, he was never, like, but the he, he sappy took, power he ballad took, 80s stuff. Yeah, he took front and center in the 80s. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking once about. Once you get to the, once you get past 1979 with Chicago with me, yeah. I'm done. Yeah, yeah, but that's me too. The other stuff is great. And when, when they were on point and being really heavy, yeah. this was close. But this mm. was like Sabbath does Chicago. It really is. <laughs> Somebody snuck up behind. Ozzy with a trumpet <laughs> and I you know my I became friends in the past year on Facebook with my high school band director really Ernest Hebson awesome this guy's awesome he he deserves a Nobel Peace Prize for putting up with my smart ass for three years I mean just stupid shit that I would do I paint my trumpet black and show up with a black trumpet just because I thought that was cool did you, you really do that I really did that spray painted my trumpet black I bet your dad was oh yeah he was really not, impressed. not happy about that yeah so there was just lots of stuff like that I used to hoard parts of the band uniform like if I saw, you know, there's just things on a uniform that sometimes would be laying around. I'd pick them up and I'd keep in my guitar case. And I had extra gloves and extra black socks. And so you'd show up to a performance, like a football game or something or a concert. Guitar case? Did I say, sorry, trumpet case. Trumpet case, okay. Yeah, sorry, I long time ago. I was yeah, confused. no, trumpet case. So I had a trumpet case full of parts and pieces of the uniform and everybody knew that. And if you showed up and you didn't have parts of your uniform, you'd have to run laps on Monday. So people really didn't want to be there without their black socks or their white gloves or something like that. And they're like, hey, Hey man, hey man, I uh, yeah, I forgot this thing. You know, the I'm like, hey, all right, cool, you, ten bucks, <laughs> <laughs> and I totally would make. Extra so you profited of off of their. Dumbass. Absolutely. Uh, I like that. Absolutely. I like that. Entrepreneur. Made, made early. Money. Oh, yeah. Were early it's on. Like, entrepreneur. They just knew. They come, you know, hey, man. Hey, what's up, man? You don't Yeah. Hey, I need uh, I need some gloves, man. You hook me up. Sure, man. Yeah, just just 10 bucks. <laughs> or you can run laps. You know, it's up to you. <laughs> hey, what? Hey, you want to get fit? Go you want to get fit? Yeah, you can do you it. Lose a few pounds there. But anyway, so side note, if I'd known that there was opportunities to be cool like that, I might have kept going. I just kind of hit a wall with playing trumpet, wasn't getting any better, and was getting ready to go to 
college where I thought, you know, I don't picture myself going to parties and, hey, Robert, pull up that trumpet and play us a song. How about a little Miles yeah, Davis, but everyone? I, but I knew that guys that could play guitar, like, oh, that's cool. You could, yeah. you could do that. And so yeah, that's when I chicks dig it. picked up the guitar. So anyway, yeah, I wish I'd known stuff like this happened. And see, if you and I had a podcast before we had a band, there could be a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. You're right. You're right. But you may have never picked up a guitar. And then our paths may have never yeah. crossed. If I would have been introduced to a next door neighbor who played trumpet, I'm like, yeah. all right, man. It's cool. See you later. See you next week. <laughs> and you can make out with somebody and play guitar at the same time. You can't do that with the trumpet. Depends on where you put the trumpet. Mm. Doot. <laughs> All right, you ready to talk about Jesus Freaks? Jesus Freaks. Jesus Freaks. Get Lord. Mm-hmm. I say get Lord. Come on now. Come on down. Some Jesus Freaks. Yes, so there is an Icelandic hard rock band, an underground acid rock band from the 70s who has a song called Jesus Freaks that we're about to play. Mm-hmm. And they were a very dark unique band that again worshipped at the altar of Sabbath Crimson Blue Oyster Cult you see where I'm going yeah. here this oh, yeah. is going to be dark this is going to be a band from Iceland if you're from Iceland what would you call your band if you want to be dark and uh, Sabbathy Ice Cross oh nice well yes. done. Well done. Well yes. done, sirs. I, I salute you and applaud you, sir. That is the best proto-metal band name of all time. Ice And you should Cross. look up and see their logo, and they got like the skeleton on it. Ice Cross. Christopher Cross was always taken, so. Yeah. Well, that was their first name, and then they <laughs> cease and desist came their way, but. Silly, take me away. Hey, come so, on. I'll let me some Christopher Check Cross. out this song. So, their guitar sounds were played through Leslie speakers. You know Ooh, what that is? Yes. The yes. One, one, so a lot of organ, if you listen to Hammond organ players like John Lord from Deep Purple, use the Leslie a lot. So you get that kind of It's an actual speaker that wobbling. rotates. The speaker, the speaker that rotates in, in the faster and slower it goes, it makes different sounds. Yeah. And that's how that Hammond organ has that amazing sound. There's a foot pedal that you can yeah. speed it up and slow it down. Yeah. When we when we have Brandon on in the year 20, 20, 2012. Yeah, whatever it is. 2012? Yeah, twin 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Way down the road. When, when Whenever he's able to come on, yeah. he'll talk about the Leslie because he uses one as well. They also had this kind of crazy bass and frantic drumming, real spooky kind of music. What would you expect from Iceland? Yeah, what else are you going to give us when you've discovered in the, in the early 70s, you've discovered Black Sabbath and you go, ooh, we can do that in Iceland. Yeah, much better. Ice creatures, walkers. And then you walkers. go, and then you go, no one will ever hear us because we're in Iceland in the 1970s. Not much going on then. No. So what did they have to do? They get they on probably, the boat. They probably had to move. Yep. Yeah. So they, you know, they didn't get a lot of attention, um, but they thought, hmm, we'll move to Copenhagen. <laughs> we'll go to Denmark. Not far enough. Um, we'll live in a hippie commune. And that's what they did. Yeah, they moved probably to, fine. Moved to Denmark, lived in a hippie commune. They got noticed and they put out an album and we're still talking about it today. So this is another one of those crazy records that was hard to find and since has gotten re-released. The very first pressing was only a thousand copies. So I looked up just to see how much would an original copy mm. of of Ice Cross. How much would it cost? $760. Well, I found out there are only seven original copies that we know of. $960. No. Without going over? It was listed on Discogs for $1,477 for a single album. $500 short. Yeah. Wow. So they re-released it in 2013. So I'll go for one of those. Okay. That's on your wish list? That's... Well, Christmas? It. I've already bought it, what? so we'll just go with that. The re-release. Oh, oh, I missed the... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, the re-release. Like, yes, wife, the re-release I can afford. Did your wife 
know about that? No, 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 we didn't do that. Okay. Yeah, the band split up in 75. They had one album mm-hmm. and broke up 75. What happened to the, the guys in the band? Well, the drummer went on to become one of the most respected and prolific drummers in Iceland, playing o- on over 300 albums wow. throughout his career. So he... I see, 10 bucks an album. That's a lot of money. Did really well. I didn't even know they made 300 albums in Iceland. <laughs> Ever. Everybody in the country made one. But that's amazing. So, again, yes. good for you, Ice sir. Ice Cross. God, yeah, that's awesome. Ice Cross. So, let's just go ahead and play it, because there's nothing else to say. Yeah. This is a band from Iceland called Ice Cross. My God. It's so it good. Writes itself. And what's the name of the song? I guess I should tell you that. Ice Crosses. No. Oh. Mouse. Mouse isn't working. Damn mouse. I already told you. Jesus Freaks. Oh, that's right. We opened up with
This may be an unpopular opinion, but I think this band peaked when they named their band Ice Cross. <laughs> and then that was it. They kind of shot their load right there. So not your thing. Uh. Well, I mean, it, it's cool, but I was on the fence trying the entire song, trying to decide if the drumming was really cool or annoying because good God. Frantic. Dude, yeah. settle down, Beavis. But yeah, it was like for if it was that one song, but it, their album sounds like that, I think no, it's the whole album. As the that guitarist, was, I would turn and style. kick the shit off the drums. So yeah, that's just Very Keith Moon. Yeah, Keith Moon did the same thing. Yeah, but even not that much though. He there were times when he would kind of lay back, but I don't know. It's it's the lyrics were. Yeah, yeah. So th- that's why I played this song. Yeah, okay. It was, it was a palate cleanser. So think about. Okay, so Sabbath comes out, and you hear how heavy and dark yes. and doomy and, ooh, how do we be even darker than Doomier. Sabbath? Doomier than <laughs> Doomier. Sabbath. And, and actually, if you read Sabbath lyrics, yeah. they're not that doomy. No. Most of the lyrics are about peace and love yeah. and watch out for these bad things. Right. It's not, we worship these bad things. No, it's like the, uh, nuclear war. We have right. to be it's careful. Bad. It's, yeah. That's bad. Let's not do that. Yeah. But everybody heard... What they heard in their head was, yeah. oh, they're they're worshiping the devil. And so this band obviously went, mm, oh, we're going to take that a step further. Yeah, we're not going to be subliminal. We're going to completely denounce, we'll super liminal. denounce organized religion, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm well, sure that went over real well in what, 70, when was this, 72? This was 72. Yeah, that went yeah. over I'm real I'm sorry, well. 73. We had progressed so far. <laughs> so the reason I played this is because I found this, uh, when I was doing my research, I found this, and I'm just going to read it for you. It says, right. by far the most ironic fate is that bassist Omar Oscarson, in an apparent reversal of the Jesus Freak's lyrical stance, joined the band in his local church, which he now plays <laughs> The guitarist now writes children's music in Iceland. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's all the things that I mean. My father was a Baptist minister. Believe me, I heard it all when it came to the evils of rock and roll. I was shown movies how bad for you watching Queen is because he wears spandex and leotards. <laughs> and, you know, just from what I can remember, like the horrible arguments and he they were to, making. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't. They weren't even focusing on the the things that he really did that were bad, but just like the fact that he wore a, a unitard and he, you know, at the time he looked like a rock star. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't exactly look good in that, so I, I never wore that on stage, but he looked like... But if you come to Rock and Pod, yes, Robert will I, be wearing yes. a full leotard spandex. Just for you. Just for our just listeners. For our if you listeners. come request that, I'll go back to the room and change. You eat potted meat, you'll see yeah. Robert in spandex. I'll have it on under my clothes. Let's just put it that way. There you yeah. go. It'll be ready to go. <laughs> so yeah, all the, the, the hoopla over the evilness and everything that you know i remember crazy train like that that's not sabbath but still crazy train that it's ozzy osbourne he, he's evil uh you know learn how to love and not how to hate oh my god that's so horrible you, yeah. you can't listen to that song that's telling you everything to learn how was to love taken out of context and not how to yeah. hate yeah. <laughs> and it was years <laughs> later before i kind of realized i actually listened to the lyrics and went oh my god really this is the silliest thing to be upset about well think about the cover to sabbath volume four right it looks so evil it's just mm-hmm. black it says black sabbath up and and across the, yeah. the left and top and then it's got this like picture of ozzy and yellow it's just like this negative image but what is he doing he's holding up peace signs peace signs <laughs> can't, can't preach that that is so nope, nope 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 it doesn't work that way yeah so the ice cross album is interesting it's not one i go back to often but it's, yeah. it's interesting okay i'll take but your word for it i thought it was just funny that they were so trying to be so anti-religion yeah. and establishment and where he, are they now? He plays at a church now. Yeah, so, that, you know. 
Yeah. They not, were ni- 1920 in a hippie commune. What are you going to do? Not 1920? They were 19 or 20 Oh, oh I was going to say, I don't think they were that no, far no. back. 1973 hey, was when that came out. Nothing wrong with being 19 or 20 and living in a hippie commune. I can tell you that sounds like <laughs> at this point in time when life gets, kinda, come true. life gets kind of wacky and crazy and stressed <laughs> out, you're like, yeah, I could I could see living in a hippie commune. I mean, I've, I've you know hung out with hippies enough where it's certain appealing to that. Well, I know you're going to like this next band. They are a German heavy rock trio from Frankfurt. They were formed in 1969. They were influenced by Hawkwind. Nice. So Lemmy, which you love. And yes. I don't know if you remember, but they're, they're also influenced by Sabbath. All these bands are influenced by Sabbath. That's mm-hmm. kind of the, the catch here. And then the other band that they were really into, the Edgar Broughton band. Oh, yeah. I got all their... You, rem- no. you don't remember? No. Okay. Let me just remind you. Was it last the, week? The Please very, don't say last week. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> the very first wild card episode, nobody wanted to pick from the 60s. And then finally you did. And we heard the Edgar Broughton band. And you and Jeremy almost fell out of your chairs puking because the song oh was so horrible. Oh my God, yes. I always thought it was the Edgar Winter. No, it's no, the, Edgar, it's the Edgar Broughton band. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh I So I this is a band out. influenced by this band. So Bless you're going to love this. Bless their hearts. They released two albums in 72 and 74. They played in Germany with Deep Purple, The Scorpions, UFO, and that's about as much as I found on them. Other than they basically have been a band with some of the same members in like four or five different bands. So they just just have changed their name mm-hmm. over the years and their sound a little bit. But the version that we're going to be talking about is a band called Tiger B. Smith, hmm. one of the best acid rock names I've ever heard. And the name of the album is Tiger Rock. Yeah. Uh, mm, yeah. Mm. You want to hear this, right? Mm. And the name of the song I'm going to play mm-hmm. well, is the title track. Oh, this is Tiger Rock. Oh, Here you go. Tiger B. Smith, Tiger Rock. <sighs> Tiger 
good God, where do I start? I mean, that's real acid rock. I was right going to say, that is true yeah. acid rock. Yeah, the other songs were more just doom, early doom. But God, that was acid rock. The true and simple. The drums were kind of like the previous song where they're almost too much. But this one, they would get back into the groove and then go to that frantic Yeah, there drum was a beat. groove and then there was a freak out. Yeah. Area. And then the, uh, the that really high-pitched guitar lead that was in use. It reminded me of some of the harmonica solos from Ozzy. Oh, his, yeah. his bad harmonica playing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, and then kind of Queens of the Stone Age. I was going to ask you if you thought the guys in Wolf Mother have ever oh, heard say, of this band. Yeah, okay. I, I thought of Queens of the Stone Age, but Wolf Mother, same thing. I mean, this is a lot better than the... Uh, the 1972 Ed, Ed, is yeah. when this came out. So You can play this anytime. The other, the Edwin McCain stuff, the whatever that band was. Edgar Brock. Edgar Brock, yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> Just don't play that anymore. But that was good. That was weird. I know, I had good. you worried. I know you, yeah, I, I can see like, it on yeah, your face. You're like, oh, God. no. But no, that that no, would this, be fun to listen to and see if it really is acid rock. I mean, I have to rocks. plan ahead for that and take a night off. But you know, we could do that. I think you should. I think you should put it to the test. <laughs> it's got that droney ending, so uh-huh. very acid rock. Yeah, just keep going. Just keep going. Very Hawkwind. Make at the me a end. playlist next time we we have fun like that. Okay. Tiger B. Smith and Hawkwind. Okay. That's all you need. All right, we're going to move on. And actually, this band, you're going to need this band as well, the one we're about to talk about. <laughs> Bands so, that Robert hates. I like this episode. No, no, no. This is, no, I'm saying this needs to go on the mix for your acid rock oh, oh, experiment. Okay. Oh, okay. Good, good. Yeah, this I, is I another, like that, this band, I'll just preface it like this. It was really hard to find a song to play because most of their songs are really long. Oh, like 10, 12 minutes long. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, once again, when this you're- This is a true acid rock When you rock have band. the night off and you have scheduled activities to do and you're you're just sitting around doing things then yeah that's all right so this good. this next band they are a band from kansas city formed sometime in their early 70s they don't really know yeah. and <laughs> they don't know what year it was either they recorded a whole bunch of music sometimes in the 70s they don't really know and it's kind of like Alice Cooper's blacked out time where... Yeah, exactly. This is blackout period. Their entire career has been blackout period. They kind of realize there's a record on the coffee table and it has their name on it. They're like, oh. They had okay. all this great music and these guys were just in their parents' basement. And, you know, it didn't really see the light of day. They finally got around to doing something with it in the 1990s. Yeah. <laughs> so they recorded... Don't rush it. Don't rush it. We'll get it out we'll sometime, it. man. Sounds good, man. Sounds so good. We're going to get it. Yeah, it's going to nah, be great. Let's, let's just We're going to tour. Let's just jam. <laughs> yeah, so they let's recorded a ton of content. The band I'm talking about is called the JPT Scare Band from scare Kansas City. Band. They are still around. Not a hair band. And they... No, not, not a hair band. They're scare a scare band. band. And they jam. They play acid rock. A lot of it's instrumental. It is just pure acid rock. I don't think you could find a better term for what they do and they made all these recordings on reel-to-reel tape in their basement back in the 70s and it never got released finally in the 1990s some of it started to come out mm-hmm. and classic rock magazine declared this band one of the lost pioneers of proto metal and all that is heavy so they still are around they still record from time to time mm-hmm. and release things a lot of the stuff that's come out they don't really have dates on them so you don't really know when it was recorded <laughs> sometime in the <laughs> They said they don't know either. It doesn't matter. So I'm just going to say this is from 1970-ish, 70-something, and this is a song called Titans Sirens from the Past is Prologue release that came out eventually sometime in the 90s or 2000s. We don't know. But here's JPT. Scare Band.
I don't think that song had a verse and a chorus. It had a kick-ass section that was the entire song. Like, it just started off with the kick-ass portion of that song, and it ended with the kick-ass portion of the song. I mean, if you ever listen to Hendrix and like that kind this is your band, because yeah. this guy, I don't know who what his name is that plays guitar, but he is basically Hendrix reincarnated. Absolutely. I mean, he picked up that torch and kept, <laughs> kept running with it. What I mean, a glorious sound that was. If you listen to the live Hendrix recordings, yeah. and they go into the, the jam sections that's basically what this band does. and this sounds like it was recorded live oh I'm sure it's this not is, a dig this is a basement jam it just sounds is. like really energetic and you would expect a crowd some some crowd noise in the background but it just had that energy of a really good jam like these guys were just in the zone but and this yeah. is the shortest song I could find <laughs> <So. laughs> but I could get lost in that I mean I would just it just it took you on a trip imagine that it's called acid rock this is exactly what it's supposed yeah, to do but it wasn't progressive at all like I said it just no. started off went, okay, here we go, and we're just going to continue, and then it's over. No, just give me a beat, and I'll give go. Give me a beat. Yeah, straight, and that, that I always fall back to that with Motorhead, how they start off punching you in the face and keep punching you in the face the entire song. They don't let up. It was very Hawkwind, too. So yeah. Hawkwind would, I always expected Hawkwind to be more progressive in the sense that they'd have like lots of different sections, but most mm-hmm. of their songs are pretty much in in this form where you, you find this groove and you just stay in it the whole time and yep. you just build upon it. So it's very, God, that's awesome. very much space rock, too, which is what Hawkwind is. So this is space yeah. acid rock. I can't believe I get paid so much to just sit here and listen to good music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How's that, check? How's that check looking? Bounce. <laughs> Bounce. <laughs> Let's move on. I'm going to play a song next called Sinister Minister. Okay. That's a great, uh, yeah, great I, I think title. I could go with that. So, so the song title is amazing. Minister. The song title is amazing. Now, the band name, it's not so good. Wait, wait. So Sinister Minister Sinister is the Minister song is name. the name of the song I'm oh, about to play. Oh, okay, okay. The band name, oh, not oh, so good. Oh, oh. Why would you call your band in 1972, why would you call your band Hard Stuff? That's a 1986 <laughs> band name. <laughs> and it's like, a bad one at that. Enough Z enough, Hard Stuff. Hard Stuff. Huh. So I'll, I'll get into why they're called this. Okay. So they're a UK hard rock. Oh group that was formed from former members of a band called Atomic Rooster and a band called Quartermass. Now, those were both also kind of progressive acid rock bands. Now, those are cool names. Atomic Rooster. Atomic Come on, man. Atomic Cog. That's even better. <laughs> Why didn't they go better. with that? Yeah, they, nobody calls me about these things. I can name yeah. everybody's God, band. they should have just called you, called man, me. in 1969. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, call me from the womb. <laughs> yeah, so they were they formed this band because uh, Atomic Rooster was going the more progressive route, and these guys wanted to do more blues rock. They wanted to get more back to standards, kind of hard rock, blues rock, and so they formed this band, and originally they were going to call themselves Atomic Rooster. Hmm. Well, they got a C and desist for that. You can't do that, guys. They had, they had those back then? You don't, yeah. You don't own the name. Damn it. Okay, well then we're going to call our band Bullet. That's, you know, that's mm-hmm. heavy. Mm-hmm. Bullet. Yeah. They got a cease and desist don't for that one. Damn it. Why don't we just call it Hard Stuff? Okay, so they went with Hard Stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I feel their pain. I could see after getting excited about two really good names and then going, you know what, screw it. We're just yeah. going to be called Hard Stuff. We know nobody has this name because it sucks. It's so bad. <laughs> I mean, our, our name kind of came about the same way. We got sick and tired of trying to come up with band names and we figured Big Jack Pneumatic was so they weird. Went, that was actually a business that yeah. went out of business so we're like, yeah, we can just use that. Yeah, we, the, we went to get our picture taken in front of their sign and that fast they had taken the sign down and gone out of business. <laughs> so it was like, well, we can use the name. Big Jack Pneumatics. It was, it was Big Jack's Pneumatics Jacks. And, and hydraulics. We dropped ah. off the hydraulics because it's hard enough to spell pneumatic. Can you imagine if we God. put that on a marquee? We've never got it booked. <laughs> 
It's big. So this band, Hard Stuff, they toured with Deep Purple. They toured with Uriah Heep. You and I have seen both of those bands. Yes, recently with Uriah Heep. Go figure. How about that? And uh, yeah, unfortunately, their career was curtailed by a car crash. Hmm. So two of the guys in the band were badly injured, and they could not go on. So they only put out this album. They didn't have seatbelts back then. They didn't. They certainly didn't require it. And uh, yeah, so we got this one album. It's good. It's obviously been re-released, which is how I have it, but came out in 1972. The album is called Bulletproof, so they kept the bullet concept. Just like, to we're gonna, screw we're you. We're going to keep that bullet <laughs> somehow. So here's hard stuff with the song Sinister Minister from Bulletproof. <laughs>
What was that guitar sound? I don't know, but it's cool. It's super cool. At the I've end. never heard that. That's oh wow! It's like some kind of filter, Phaser, yeah, some envelope filter, filter or something. I don't know. It's cool. Never man. even heard of an envelope filter. Oh, I need some of that for my mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> that was more. That was less acidic than previous examples. It's more on the poppy side. It was, but acid acid top. Yeah, it, with the with the guitar gave it that acid feel. The, right. the vocals, everything else, the drum beat was more kind of standard rock for the time. So yeah, that was more listenable for some people, but it didn't have that edgy feel that the previous song. Yeah, it wasn't as out there, but it was definitely the guitar is what gives it that acid rock yeah, feel. And fuzzy, then, fuzzy. To fuzzy. me, it's like uh, early ZZ Top, but like yes, more acidic. Yes. Yeah, but it's so, got a little bit of that pop sensibility, which, which I like. That's a good That's good balance. Stuff. Yeah, I dig them. All right, final band. Best name of the night wait, of a wait, group. You, you, you can top Ice Cross? I can top Ice Cross. Oh, really? Hang on, let me have a drink before we do that. In 1974, mm. this is before another band who has the same word in the beginning of their name. In 1974, there's a band who was playing gigs with Sabbath, Pink Fairies, Juicy Lucy, and others from that time that were in this acid rock, heavy proto-metal thing. And this is a band called Iron Claw. You can't get heavier than that's Iron pretty heavy. Claw. The Verve Tart is not quite as heavy, but <laughs> that was taken. So they, the Iron Claw. Iron Claw. They are considered the very first Sabbath tribute band. They're a Scottish band, and when they were playing gigs around the UK, they had their material, but they would also, in the middle of their set, they would play the entire first Sabbath album. It's tribute it's to this music that they love. It's actually a great idea to bring people out to the clubs, take something they already like. Start with a song that they wrote, and then yeah. all of a sudden they go into the entire Black Sabbath album. And, you know, somebody who's just casually heard Having that, a, that's new music at the time, yeah, by the way. Yeah, it's fresh. And like, oh, these guys, are, they're good. Yeah. <laughs> Is that Ozzy? I don't know what he looks like. Yeah, so they recorded at various times throughout the 70s, so they were around from 1970 to 1974 and never released anything. But they recorded all this material, they toured a lot, people knew their name, but it never got released. And then our good friends at Rockadrome Records in 2009 finally compiled all of these recordings that and put nice it out. Of them. And the name of this song, and that's, and that's as much as I have on this band, so yeah. I'm not going to tell you anything else about them. But the name of this song, I mean, you cannot get a better name for a song from a band called Iron Claw, but Claw-strophobia. <laughs> this is dangerously close to Spinal Tap. Well, let's really just close. listen and find uh -huh. out. Okay.
I, I was in wasn't ready for I know, the end I was, at all. I was in the zone. I, that was exactly. I was in the zone with that. That's that was fun. And so as I was listening, I was thinking how I always forget. Duh! One of my favorite bands is start off as an acid rock band, Pink Floyd, mm-hmm. because I constantly think of their later music, middle and later, which is very orchestral and flowing and lofty, More but proggy, uh, very proggy. Yep. Yeah, but then you listen to the Nile song, 100% acid rock, and this what remind this song, the beginning of it reminded me of that, and it's just like, oh my god, this whole time, you know, I I, I knew what it was, but I had no name for it to call it acid rock. They're known for, you know, their lead singer, Sid Barrett, and they have done quite a few truckloads of acid in their time, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's fun to kind of have it come into focus where you know this is where they started, they moved on, but that sensibility of that early on acid rock phase where you can listen to it and it just washes over you. Well, and, really just, and just think about if you or I were 10 years older, 15 years older, and we had heard this music from Pink Floyd, from mm-hmm. Hendrix, we would have been in a band trying to play that kind of stuff with yep. the knowledge of only that stuff and right. nothing else. So it makes sense that there are tons and tons of recordings out there of groups mm-hmm. trying to do that type of stuff that just never got out there. Because yeah, Pink Floyd, 67, 68, yeah. Hendrix, 69, and then so by 70, all these bands start popping up, yeah, every, and it makes perfect sense. Every stoner kid in every yeah. American town, you know, everywhere, as well as probably across the world, yeah. and obviously the, even in Iceland. And the, <laughs> I mean, the fact that a lot of these songs, we talked about how simple they were, guitar-based drums, and so that enabled a lot more people to be able to pull that off versus the later sounds with Pink Floyd, which they had all kinds of amazing equipment. So well, I'm glad you, harder. I'm glad you brought that up because I was just looking at the bands we play today, and I think all but one, which is Iron Claw, who mm-hmm. we just played, I think they are all trios. Trios. They are all power trios. So everybody go, hey, you got a bass? Yeah, you got drums? Okay, go get some drums and then learn how to play, and those, we're going to be that band. Somebody sing. Yeah. It doesn't matter who. It doesn't matter who. <laughs> get your grandma on there. I don't <laughs> so. care. Don't care. That wasn't the focus of those songs. So that's what I got for you, man. That episode was that awesome. was our third acid rock episode. Third I ass would, rock. Third ass rock. Oh, acid rock. Yeah. Okay. I would say this was our most acidic it acid rock episode. Definitely. This, I felt the deep. need to just zone out to some of those that I could see that being even more fun on party favors and extracurricular activities to stuff that. So yeah. maybe when you go listen back to this episode, because I know uh-huh. you do listen to it several times, yes. maybe you could reinforce try that, it. reinforce yeah, it with a little make, extra make a call. curricular I gotta activity. I got to make a call before that. <laughs> hey, man. What's up? <laughs> Avoid the brown. Remember yeah. that. No, no, we have to skip that. Anything else from that you? That was awesome. I enjoyed that. Thank you. Let's get together again next week Let's and talk about something completely different. I'll mark it on the calendar. All right, cool. See you. Later. Later.